0: Welcome to Comadres Comics. Comadres Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book
1: industry
2: as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres Comics. This is episode 96. We're your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi guys. How's everyone doing? Hi.
1: My panza is big and full and content of holiday happenings, happenings, no holiday, whateverings uh, <laughs> that I put in my mouth.
2: <laughs> oh my god, we have so much food, it's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> I know, me too. I've I've been eating tamales for breakfast, lunch and dinner for like 5 days straight. Um I had pasta for actual Christmas Day. And I've been eating pasta in between the tamales. And my, like I said, my panza (laughs) feels so big and bloated. Like, I feel so horrible, but it tastes so good (laughs) that that doesn't (laughs) stop me.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. Last night, I ate some pozole and I ate like six tamales. And then in the end of it all, I decided to eat a uh empanada de calabaza <gasps> mm-hmm. and i think that's what gave me nightmares because i couldn't sleep all night <laughs> oh <So>, <laughs> my god but yeah. but it was so good and then you could tell the next day when i went to the restroom that uh, how much i ate Just <laughs> <laughs> like uh, you could, i oh, don't know it. i'm
1: not that um i'm not that lucky i <laughs> am having problems I'm TMI. Faithful listeners, but <laughs> that's why my tummy feels so full. Like it goes in, but it doesn't come out. <laughs> oh my God, Kristen. <laughs> oh,
0: wow.
1: Well, if my grandmother was here. She would make me some, um, what did she used to make me tea? Uh, tea, the senna? Is that right? Mm. I, I feel like that's what she used to make. I don't know. There was some tea that she would make that she would give me when my tummy hurt because I couldn't poop. And, and it was like some herb or whatever. And I feel like I remember her calling it Senna. Mm. But anyway, I, I need my grandma to make me tea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what about you, Jen? What's up with you? Although we know she hates Christmas. <laughs> she doesn't hate Christmas. She can't hear us. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> so you have to tell us.
2: Oh, I know that um I know that she told me that she ate Christmas because she gets a lot of orders for food.
3: Oh and then yeah, yeah. she
2: spends all the 24th filling the orders so right. then she rests on Christmas Day. Yeah. So uh for for us in particular, we don't celebrate Christmas Day at all. But I was keeping an ear out for the neighbors to see if anybody had parties, but nobody right.
3: did. Right. Okay.
0: Sorry, uh small mal- malfunction with my <laughs> earphones um um but yes uh for christmas yeah no like uh sarah said i'm not actually very fond of christmas because it's just it's just a heavy work day for Mm -hmm. my parents and us and so we just spend the most of most of the 24th just making uh fulfilling a bunch of orders for people uh and this year was no different there was we did less but it's still like pretty hectic yeah uh And then my mom just made like some extra tamales for us. So when they we were all done and finished and everything, we just ate tamales. Uh, And um, uh, we're we're usually awake till midnight. So and then we opened our presents uh, that we got. And then on the twenty fifth, we just made carne asada. Mm. So that was that was that that sounds good.
1: That sounds brilliant. Mm. That sounds really good. I haven't had good
2: carne asada in a long time. Me too. There's this place here uh, in Carson called La Venadita, Mm -hmm. and that shit, it's like COVID doesn't even exist, man. That thing, the line is out the door. Oh, dang. All the time, especially on weekends, because people buy, uh, and then it is said, quote unquote, what time when I used to do my Uber driving, um, I picked up a guy at La Venadita who was a, a, a butcher, carnicero. Mm-hmm. And he told me that the um, seasoning recipe is so uh, secret that the boss stays indoors by himself making the seasoning for Takari. Wow. He doesn't give out his recipe to anyone. Wow. So.
1: My thing is that when I go to Takarias or any restaurant or whatever, like I'll, I'll, order the garden asada but it's always so tough like I want garden that like melts in your mouth and I I totally I've had it. it and so I know it exists and I'm <laughs> constantly on the search for it but most of them I think they just do it in such big bulk that like that kind of thing gets lost I don't know but it's just
2: I miss good garden asada Totally get it. Totally get it. Because um, uh, even with the Carnicería La Venadita, even when we've had a good there, there are times where they're a little off, mm. you know, so we might have to find out what the time frames are where you can get the good stuff, as opposed to the stuff that's been there for a while, maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's pretty pricey. One time, I think Frank spent like 60 bucks just in <gasps> meat. Yeah. <laughs> her headphones came off guys. she got so <laughs> surprised um but yeah and um so I mean it's it's good uh it's just uh, uh you have to know the time to get it and of course right now they have so many people coming in and out that I'd just rather wait till yeah it's safer um but yep yeah, uh good saw. it's hard
0: to come by we I wonder oh, how was yours jen um, it was good because I had it. Sorry, uh, my audio keeps cutting off. Um, uh, it. Um, um, we had marinated on the twenty fourth because I had like prepared everything on that, so it had been like marinating for a good, a good like solid like twelve hours at least. So when mm. we put it on the grill, it was real good.
1: Mm. I have a grill. Technically, <laughs> when Eddie's parents moved from torrance to where they uh where their house is now um they left us their old gas grill and we used it until the gas was gone and then we never (laughs) oh (laughs) god
0: (laughs) Kristen! so
1: we technically have one but we haven't used it in so long i'm afraid to open it who knows what's living inside of there right now
2: (laughs) (laughs) you're so
0: crazy (laughs) incredible
2: um well i'd like to thank Kristen because she introduced me to a whole new addiction it's called (laughs) dirty birdie soap company and i love their scrub the pumpkin scrub you gave me is super awesome and it smells delicious
1: Yes, I'm addicted to it too. Just ask Eddie. Like, uh, she, I don't know her real name, but yes, that's the name of the company that this woman runs. She's local to Torrance and she sells at the local antri- Antique Street Fair here in uh, Torrance, which is the fourth Sunday of every month uh, outside downtown Old Torrance. And that's where I discovered her stuff. And um, that pumpkin bar and also body scrub it's just smells so good i love it so much and if you love like pumpkin lattes or pumpkin pie or whatever then you'll love this scrub and i was telling sarah even when i use it in the bathtub i have to stop myself from like taking a scoop and putting it in my mouth that's how good it smells
2: (laughs) yeah and it really leaves your skin really soft Uh, so I'd really like to try that peppermint one just because I like tingliness yeah 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 so that would be really awesome for me to try (laughs) (laughs) tingliness peppermint tingliness um but yes uh very very excited about that I I already looked through all their items on the Etsy store I might take a trip down to Torrance for the fair just to see. what other stuff they have on hand just mm-hmm. because I like immediate uh satisfaction yes which would me mean- too <laughs> she also tells me that she,
1: they deliver and I'm mean, you're not that not non-local so um if you contacted her she probably would like you could meet her somewhere when you're in Torrance or something oh nice that's super cool Yes. So Dirty Birdie Soap Company has an Etsy. I think she has a Facebook. So definitely look them up. Um, And she's super nice. And I just love all their stuff. I also right now my skin just feels so nice and soft, because I'm using also her whipped body butter. Uh, and during the holiday season, my skin just gets so dry, and it has really helped me to uh, not be itchy because my skin gets so dry that I'll wake up scratching to the point where I bleed because I'm scratching. Oh my so god, hard.
0: Kristen, yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, Frank scratches like that too. The other day, I was like, Why are you bleeding? He's like, Oh, I got itchy. I'm like, Oh my god, can't. Yeah, So maybe I should get the uh, body. Men for don't both of do. Us.
1: I mean, this is a a, a gross uh, like assumption, <laughs> uh, but most men that I know, I'll say that, don't really do moisturizer. Regardless Mm -hmm. if it's body Mm -hmm. or face, like I had to set Eddie straight when I first met him, I was like,
3: (laughs) you need to
1: have a facial, a facial regimen, you have to, you don't just wash your face with the freaking soap bar in the shower, you have to have a face wash, you have to have a face scrub, and you have to have a face lotion and use sunscreen, Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> no i know uh with frank uh, it took me a little bit but i got him on it too um i'm try i've tried to get my brother on it because he has these super fine lines in his eyelids and i'm like are-, are you moisturizing he's on no and i'm like well there you go that's why you have <laughs> these fine lines that's why you look older than i do <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's no that's how you get them that's how like that's how you get them to use it it was like you really want to be looking old af <laughs> tell jackie she's not doing her job like that's our
1: job we got we like i tell eddie you i can't be embarrassed to be out with you people
2: associate you with me and so,
3: <laughs> <laughs> you need to look a
2: certain way <laughs> no and it's true i'm like and then sometimes when frank wears sandals i'm like you can wear sandals it's okay because it's california but you got to moisturize those toes dude <laughs> yes <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they're ashy as fuck
0: <laughs> yep. please please put on lotion on your feet even if you're wearing socks do it
2: yeah oh most definitely but yes um I, every christmas i a stocking stuffer of some some kind of lancome uh, face cream for for eric in his stocking mm-hmm. um and he says he uses it so hopefully but this is the second year I give. He could be anything. lying. <laughs> he could be lying. He could be like, "Oh, this is a this is an extra step in my shower regimen. I'm not gonna do." But it's so worth it. It really is. It really is. Um, so my next stop is body butter because my my hands have been really uh, dry just because we washed them so much for because of COVID. So, yes. but yes, it's uh, yeah. The top. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you
1: the thing yeah. that i love of hers besides all this other stuff same thing my hands were so freaking dry they hurt yes mm-hmm. and they were itchy and i was scratching them and they were like painful she has hand sanitizer that has um oh i can't remember what it has in it aloe i think mm-hmm. what oh there's different scents. He was saying tea tree because that's the one he likes, but it also, it has aloe, I believe. But anyway, it's so moisturizing. That's the only hand sanitizer I use. um, And I put it in a little that's spray bottle and I, I use it. She, there's different scents, but my hands stopped being dry and cracky and
2: itchy. So if you go get the hand sanitizer, it's so good. Oh, that's awesome. Because Um, I've been using the one from Costco, but then recently they opened Bath & Body Works, and so mm-hmm. then I got that one. That's um, what I was
1: using that was but, making my hands dry. But yes,
2: that, but that's what I was going to say. After starting to use that one, the top of my hands are super dry, and yep. they're scaly, actually. Yes, that's how <clears throat> my skin was. And I thought maybe it was because I was scrubbing the floor and, you know, like, the sinks and the tub with Ajax, because sometimes that could dry your skin, too. But mm-hmm. it's been two weeks, and I'm still, like, it's still scaly. So I'm like, okay, now I'm going to, I guess, change my hand sanitizer yes
0: that's literally my biggest fucking fear is scaly skin like <laughs> i i hate it i do not like looking at scaly skin or having scaly skin when i do i'm just all like like i yes. gotta get rid of it Yes, it's just i don't know during it, the it winter time, something in me i
1: used to get scaly skin where my bra is because it would get really dry right there and rub right there um and i started using the body butter on that and it completely went away it was so uh, effective so yes more Ugh. tmi yeah A <laughs> body TMI. butter
2: body butter <laughs> is where it is <laughs> all right guys it's now time for la hora what time is it Kristen? La Hora de la Cervecita.
1: And this yes. one's super
2: exciting because it is
1: holiday themed. It is by Evil Genius Beer Company, which sounds super cool. You can find their stuff at EvilGeniusBeer.com. And uh, let's see where they located out of, wow, Philadelphia. Did, the, did your
2: did, oh, wow. did your cousin send you this or did you buy it? Um. Actually I got this at Torrance Beer Cellar and okay. um, I wasn't gonna get it well I mean because I usually don't look at the aisles very much I look at what's it refrigerated but as I was oh. walking by the aisle I saw it and I was like first of all Evil Genius Beer Company what a freaking amazing name like i'm i was like okay i i already i already like you because you have a cool ass name and the can was red so i was like oh okay so it's like off the christmas kind of um uh, seasonal kind of beer kind of theme thing and we haven't had a real christmas themed beer anyways so i thought this was this was pretty pretty cool and this was called santa i know him festive saison Okay. So the fact that it's a Saison makes me think it's going to be sour.
1: I know. I,
2: and, and <laughs> I thought of that when I purchased it, but I was like, Hey, we are about trying different types of beers yes. and now even opening up to ciders and other canned yes. alcoholic beverages. So yes. I thought this would be a, a kind of like a good, different twist on it. Cause I think, I think I was leaning towards another IPA, but... And that would have made
1: Jen sad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it actually says here, it's a festive Saison, which is ale brewed with rose hips, chamomile and black currants. So that makes my mouth water reading it. So uh, we'll see. It says very silly names for very serious beers. And something that makes me laugh is on the side of the can. It says Christmas tip. And honestly, this Christmas tip made makes me want to have children just so I could do this. <laughs> but it says Christmas tip: wrap empty boxes and put them under the tree. Every time your child acts up, throw one in the fireplace.
3: <laughs> oh <laughs> oh my, god, my god! That's
2: brilliant. <laughs> that is super cool. You know the and this is a seven point two percent uh, uh vol- by volume. Uh, so that's interesting um, but uh, I don't know if you guys no- noticed but all over Instagram there's a lot of like videos that parents are filming their kids with the Grinch like either surprising the photo shoot or <laughs> or walking into their yes. house and taking the boxes yes of presents and stuff uh-huh. and the kids are yes.
3: crying
2: and crying and screaming bloody murder and I think I think, wow, you guys are really traumatizing those kids. I know, I thought that too. (laughs) They were good for you. (laughs) I'm like, wow, you guys, therapy is going to be very expensive.
1: (laughs) I saw one in particular, it was a little girl and she's sitting there like smiling for her pictures. And I guess he comes to sit next to her and she doesn't realize it. And the person is taking a, a succession of pictures. And so it captures the actual like moment where she realizes that he's there and her, her face is just like completely terror like, yes mm-hmm. terror and then one of the last pictures is like her running towards the person taking the pictures it's so funny with this
2: look of terror on her face yes. oh my God. <laughs> gosh oh my gosh it's it's terrible but it's funny for adults i guess but yeah but yes
1: so this why this, else why what better reason to have children than <laughs> to
2: have, to terrorize Doing them makes- for your own <laughs> entertainment <laughs> that's awesome i guess <laughs> all so right the, i forgot we were gonna drink beer so the can is red and it's it's uh it's really festive it has these little um a snowflakes on it and of course it says evilgeniusbeer.com you can follow them online they have an instagram facebook and a twitter at evil genius beer so uh let's see what we got it
1: smells sour can, can sour be a smell <laughs>
0: <laughs> sour is a smell if you so me. it's
2: a really dark ambery red reddish kind of uh, copperish uh, color of the beer um and it smells like she said sour. So I think oh if I
1: remember correctly, Saisons are actually Belgian style brews. Mm-hmm. And a hundred percent this is a Belgian brew. I can taste it from beginning to end and I fucking love it. It's not yeah. sour, by the way.
2: Yeah, uh, Oh, it's not. I was really interested to see how the chamomile would translate in a beer. I can taste it. Yeah. And chamomile for those that I I honestly just learned this like maybe a 5 years ago chamomile is um the the manzanilla. Yes. And I did not know that. Oh, you didn't? No. No, I actually um When that song, that song from No Doubt came out, where she says, "I'm just sipping on my chamomile," I was like, "What is she sipping on?" And so that's when I—that's what she said. Yeah, and and so like I googled it and found out it was marigold. I mean, not marigold. um, (laughs) Manzanilla, manzanilla. Okay, so Belgians are my favorite brews.
1: Um, Allagash as all of you may or may not know, is my favorite brewery. It's a brewery out of Portland, Maine. Um, And uh, Allegash Curio is my absolute favorite. You can buy, I think it's like a 20 ounce bottle for $20, a dollar an ounce. Um, And it's just, and it's also the reason why Monkish used to be my favorite uh, brewery in the uh, area that I live in because they did only, Monkey, uh, monkish. They did only Belgian brews for a long, the longest time until they couldn't keep up with all the IPA breweries around them because people just love their IPAs. Honestly, I don't even think it's about taste to be honest with you. I think it's people just are in love with the ABV high percentage ABV. Yeah, of an IPA. Be. that's that's what I think it is.
0: <laughs> and then after they want to get as close to drinking liquor without actually drinking <laughs> liquor <laughs> which to me is like what's the point just drink liquor but you yeah, know
1: I, I, over time i have grown to appreciate it yes. but mm-hmm. again ipas were i was like no way i can't <laughs> and them oh my god they're <laughs> horrible but i i my palate has i don't know if it's matured or denigrated <laughs> <laughs> because i'm not gonna lie i'm one of those people who's like i want the most bang for my buck give me an ipa
3: mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um well i i love my ipas but uh, but i also love belgian style beers um having one of my favorites is uh the one that brews delirium tremens uh yes. that's very belgian style and so, and I'm yes, so, you're absolutely so right. that you got to go actually
1: taste it at one of the actual
2: breweries over there oh it was fantastico (laughs) um oh just so and and oh my god any beer anywhere the chame all of them you know and they have a bunch of bars another of my favorites and it was just oh amazing amazing i would
1: okay so there is this tour that takes you to belgium and it's an actual uh it's a tourist company where you sign up and you're going over there to run a marathon in Belgium. Wow. And then after the marathon, it they take you on a brewery tour. Oh I do that, that so badly.
2: That is amazing. Oh my God. That would be super cool. I think you should that should be like on your bucket list. Yes.
1: Hopefully, travel will be a thing at some point in my life. Oh, I forgot.
2: I forgot about that. I forgot about that. For a moment there, I mean, I was just transported there, and I forgot that we can't travel. Mm
3: -hmm. But you're
2: right. And oh, my God, I don't even know if there's any relief in sight. I mean, God, I hope so. Yeah, me too. Because the world is so amazing. I mean, I just saw Braveheart yesterday, and I was like, I want to see
3: Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I yeah. freaking
2: just
1: want to go like to places here in the United States I mean of course there's places worldwide that are amazing that I'd love to see but like even just traveling from state to state is an issue right now so mm-hmm. um yes I am so like about that tour and it's like so much money it's so expensive but I would love to do it so I'm gonna start saving for it right now maybe by the time we can travel again I'll have enough money (laughs) oh that's a great idea
2: I love that idea so what do you guys think I I'm really really pleasantly surprised with this brew so one
1: of the things that I actually can taste in here is I I taste um nutmeg And I don't Mm. know that it tastes very uh, holiday-ish, and I don't know if that was on purpose. I mean, it's a a a beer called Santa. I know, I know him. Um, It doesn't say that on here, but it's very um, spicy to me. Like not spicy. You're right, but but like spices like mm. cardamom and cinnamon yes. and snake i put oh, yeah that in here and um belgians are my favorite um they just i don't even know how to describe them but when you're drinking a belgian you know it it has mm. regardless of, of it's a saison or, or whatever uh, a double a triple you can taste that unique flavor in the way that it it's brewed. And so um, I just love it so much. And I didn't think I was going to like this because Saison's do typically tend to be a little sour. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is really good. I
0: like it a lot. It's like- really good. I really like it a lot too. I can, like Sarah said, and like you said too, Kristen, it's very, very flavorful. And I can pick out each individual taste and i like them all Mm -hmm. i was honestly once i saw that it was a saison, i was just like god fucking damn it we're gonna be drinking a sour (laughs) this isn't this isn't sour at all i'm i'm really really liking the taste and i'm really really personally i really like when rose is added to stuff Mm -hmm. i have a rose sensual tea that i really like uh my favorite um um my favorite like boba tea to drink is cherry blossom milk tea with rose. Ooh, that sounds uh, good. It's it's really good. But um uh, and now this has rose. Now the thing is that a lot with a lot of rose stuff is that sometimes it can be very overpowering mm-hmm. and it can be very perfumey as well. Yeah. Um um but I this one it it blends in super, super well with the chamomile and the black currants as well. You can you can taste it and it the black currants actually give it kind of like almost a sweet like taste that I really really like what about you Sarah um, oh sorry Jen (laughs) (laughs) that's fine
2: um well first of all the color is really really amazing this kind of coppery rose Mm -hmm. color I really like um the smell initially was very welcoming um the this the taste was really transporting for me because as as Kristen was describing it I was like imagining sitting uh with my scarf on you know in Belgium just having a sip of this brew I mean it's really mm-hmm. it's kind of a traditional Belgium style brew but with all these other flavors and it's really amazing and I really love it I like I said I'm super pleasantly surprised I um, I asked uh, the uh, the owner at uh, Torrance Craft Beer Cellar if he had tasted it because usually he'll say oh I recommend this one mm-hmm. or you should taste this one or did you know that this one's out you know I mean we have this conversation about what's out and stuff like that and and he said you know I gotta be honest I haven't tasted it but it has good reviews on a um, uh, uh, beer advocate and oh, I said okay. and I said well You know, um, it's, it's festive. So I'm going to take it and I'm just going to see what happens. And I'm so glad I did. And I'm so glad that my, my, the can caught my eye immediately as I walked in through the aisles. And so and it turns out that they did have this in the refrigeration but i was looking through the aisles first that it just caught my eye right then and there and so i think they're doing a great job i'm i didn't read up that it was an east coast brewery but the name uh, is just super freaking evil real genius good. yeah beer company i mean like that's a genius move right there having a really cool name so um I really like this beer, and I actually wouldn't mind looking them up and seeing what else they would have mm-hmm. on stock and seeing what else, what other kind of brews they might uh, have out here in the West Coast.
1: Yeah, uh, one of the things I do like about uh, Torrance Craft Beer Cellar is that they have a Belgian section in the refrigerated section. So I always oh, nice. go straight there.
2: Yeah, they actually uh, put their beers by. Uh, classification, which I really appreciate because I could totally skip the lager section. <laughs>
1: <of> the, <laughs> although- I
2: actually <laughs> have
1: gotten some
2: good lagers because I'm always
1: on because like I, I've already mentioned this many times over the summertime, I had an issue with beer panza and IPAs were just way too heavy. So I was going specifically for lagers and pilsler, pilsners. And I've actually found a few in there
2: that are very flavorful. Well, I mean, I still look. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I still take a look because a lot of the, a lot of what attracts me to choosing a beer is also the can artwork. Yeah, me too. So I feel like if they take the extra time to be creative, I feel that it's gonna show in their brewing process as well. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, there's my favorites that I follow. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but this is a really happy surprise. So I'm ready to rate it. Okay, so as a reminder, we have a
1: five point rating system with one out of five being flaccid, two out of five initial, three out of five, a partial, a four out of five full, a five out of five is rigid. And if we love it so much that it goes off the charts, that is a six out of five Super Saiyan. So Sarah, what do you
2: rate? I am really happy with this. I'm going to go rigid. I'm going to go rigid. Nice. it's it's full of flavor and chamomile is something that i have not tasted in a beer so and it's mm-hmm. just done so well and it just is such a complimentary uh flavor to this belgian style beer so I, I really like it okay so this is kristen
1: i am also going to give it a rigid i'm give it rigid i'm gonna give it a five out of five i loved it from i did not at first love the smell because i swear it's smelled sour and I was so like cringing like oh this is gonna be sour but the flavor was so surprising and it was so good from the first uh the first mouthful it was just amazing so I would definitely I mean I know it's a seasonal beer but I definitely also would drink it again buy it again and also um look to see what other beers that this particular brew company has
2: Excellent. What
0: about you, Jen? Um, So I'm really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Uh, So I'm going to give it a rigid as well. I really enjoyed it. I really like that you can taste each individual uh, thing that they described as well as they giving a very like kind of almost spicy herbaceous uh, taste as well. Um, So I'm going to go with a rigid. I really enjoyed this one. This one was a good pick.
3: I can't believe
0: I, I can finally say I have a Saison I like. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that has been the beer review, guys. And now it's time for chisme de la semana. And guys, I have some cheese for you. Now, Tell as, us. <laughs> as we mm-hmm. all know, uh Wonder Woman um Wonder Woman 2, it's WW 1984, came out free for HBO Max and in selected theaters around the world, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. On the heels of its uh, success, I'm going to call it a success, guys. <laughs> um, uh, this is Sarah, and you guys can come at me. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I ha- people have been coming at me on Facebook because of of my review on uh, Wonder Woman uh, part two, 1984. Anyway, so on the heels of that success, uh, we have now learned that that they have, Wonder Woman 3 is being fast-tracked following the sequel's current 85 million WWD date, Uh, And and it's gonna be, we're gonna see uh, Gal Gadot, of course, as Wonder Woman, and Patty Jenkins will return as the the director. Mm -hmm. And I think that they had already decided to make Wonder Woman 3, um, Mm -hmm. uh, way before the release of the Wonder Woman 2, just uh, on Christmas Day only because i think uh the movie was pushed back from march so it was supposed to be released in march and so Mm. um they felt really good about it and they decided to just fast track uh three so yes guys there will be a wonder woman 3 movie coming out soon i hope um i i know that uh wonder woman 2 has gotten a lot of backlash uh there's a lot of people are saying that patty jenkins may not maybe a good director but maybe not a good screenwriter uh she, <laughs> she and both jeff johns were uh on writing the movie um i particularly enjoyed it um i i really enjoyed it i enjoyed it so much so that i watched it two times i would have watched it two times back to back but i ended up watching it only once Then waited till my husband went to sleep and watched it again um, <laughs> but um yeah i i I know I'm getting a lot of backlash because people are saying that what movie did you watch because the one I watched uh, sucked ass and I'm like and you know there's a lot of a lot of uh, criticism but you know. I think, I think for me, the thing was that I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting uh, lightning in a bottle twice, uh, mm-hmm. sort to speak, mm-hmm. like lightning mm-hmm. to start, crazy. because the first one uh, gave us such a, an emotional, like seeing all these women yeah. working mm-hmm. together, powerful Amazons, and you know, it was just so powerful, um, it, it's just really hard to reproduce that kind yeah. of feeling in people, and so mm-hmm. I knew going into watching it the second time, I knew that it was going to be less than the first one but i definitely saw a lot of wonderful points on it like the mm-hmm. compassion wonder woman has as a character mm-hmm. uh, humanizing her a little bit and um mm-hmm. even even the end uh i don't want to spoil it guys cuz it you know you can watch it on hbo max but i mean there are some points where i thought it was going to be like knockout drag out fight but it was more like a conversation Mm -hmm. of characters that propel the story and I think that says a lot and just to leave you with this I saw um, a gentleman post uh, his post on Facebook and he said "I, I just my daughter just finished watching this movie and she said it's the best movie ever made and watching Diana as a child and having her lessons you know, learning her lessons and so forth. Um, that took me back to like, if I had seen that when I was younger, like mm-hmm. it would have been super inspiring. So that's yeah. what's on my radar. Um, my is That's what's on my chisme de la semana is that Wonder Woman 3 is coming out and you should expect it and you should maybe watch it not expecting a whole lot a lot of people are saying this was like the worst dc movie ever but come on we have aquaman Uh, (laughs) we have suicide superman versus batman superman versus batman i mean Mm -hmm. um i honestly i mean i know people don't like it but i honestly do not think it's the worst movie dc has made so Mm um give it a chance Uh, watch it with different eyes what uh if you're an adult woman, maybe try to watch it as a a young girl, like maybe if you were young and you were watching it and you, like, what would you see? Like, honestly, when I go back and watch Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, the TV show, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cheeseball. I know. But, but it was revolutionary and yes. it was different. And yeah. And as a yeah.
1: kid, I loved
2: it. I love the yeah. heck out of it! Oh my god! I wore my Wonder Woman underoos, under-oos till There were too. holes in them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You you would put on your underoos. And for those of you guys who don't know what underoos are, they're like a, literally like a undergarment. Like it's uh, panties and like a T-shirt. And They be They should be worn under the clothes. But we were walk. We were rocking them out. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, I was
1: twirling with my. You arms can go out. to underoos.com. They have adult sizes now. Oh
2: my. Oh my God, why
3: did you yeah. tell
1: me
2: that? Yeah. I need to go get me some. <laughs> so that's the cheeser right there. You can go to underoos.com and get yourself some adult size underoos. Speaking of oh Wonder Woman and Linda Carter, Eddie was just telling
1: me yesterday that he was yesterday days old when he learned that Linda Carter was part Mexican. Really? Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so crazy. And, yeah, yeah. she spoke – I mean – I've seen interviews of her speaking about this and the red carpet. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like it's mm-hmm. a big deal. Like Yeah,
1: I wish that it would have been more widely known when I was a kid.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's sort of like uh, Cesar Romero también, uh, as a joker, which I totally love that he didn't shave off that mustache. Yeah, <laughs> even the little
1: statues that we have in the store have the mustache that you can see <laughs> is just painted white. It's so yeah. funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, growing
1: can up. His I, look,
2: uh-huh. yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Growing up, that was one of the things that I looked for. Um, maybe not as a child but like growing up a little bit more like maybe a teenager or whatever one of the things I looked for is if the sound if if their name sounded Latino then I would kind of focus on them and get like um what is it called not enamored but I would um get entranced Hyper by them Hyper, hi, Hyper <laughs> like for a long time um that guy who played Doc Oct, uh Molina uh I forgot, but anyway, it turns out he wasn't, but it's okay, I mean, he, when he does the Latino characters, uh, like um, Diego Rivera, he really focuses on the accents, and I, he's a great actor, but um, anyway, so yes, uh, Cesar Romero really stuck out for mm -hmm. me, like, it just, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I knew that he was Nuestra gente, so, so but, I mean, and like you said, I wish that uh, it was more widely known that Lena Carter was, and was actually Mexican, so, mm-hmm. is, but, actually uh, Mexican. is actually <laughs> you know, Mexican, there's, there's she's somebody, not dead, know, she's not dead, um, but yeah, and, um, you know there's there's a little easter egg after a little bit of the cred uh, uh towards the end of the scene so I mean I I, I don't know I, I mean well, I want to talk more about Wonder Woman but I can't because I don't want to spoil it for anybody and this is like too soon of an episode but you guys uh give it a chance I mean uh, a lot of people are going in with high expectations I understand that completely but we're in a pandemic and most of us just want to be entertained and want to be taken out of um the situation we're in right now and just want to be Mm -hmm. transported. And I I welcome you to let yourself be transported with this movie. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. All right, guys, it's now time for our book review.
0: What are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing Algeria is Beautiful Like America by Olivia Burden and drawn by Mahi Grant. So, uh, it, this is published by Lion Forge uh, Press, uh, and the back matter of it says, Algeria. I had heard about it from every member of my Blackfoot family, but it was finally time for me to see it for myself. So I headed there alone, with a suitcase full of thorny questions about a war I never experienced, and the phone number of the only local contact I could trust, a man named Jafar. The true story of a woman discovering her past for better or worse.
2: <clears throat> well, first off, I have to say um, um this book is in black and white and the art is amazing. I love the art. Loved, love, loved it. Um, I love how um how it was sort storybooked as far as like the pictures that were included and the pictures that the the character, the main character took were in color. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was like a really great pairing of the black and white with color pictures. Uh, Mm -hmm. The story itself was really moving. Um, I felt like, and I know this is true for a lot of books that you're in a journey but mm-hmm. this really felt like a journey like i actually took a pause between like little breaks between reading it because it felt like a journey and and it was so moving um just the way she talked about her family the way they interacted amongst themselves uh mm-hmm. the reasons why she took this journey this you know got on a plane and took this journey um the way she felt a little bit sad that she couldn't take it, the, the journey as originally intended on a ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and how we, as people, hear stories from, from our grandparents and and create great fantasies about these memories, these stories mm-hmm. that they tell us. Mm-hmm. And then when we actually see the reality of it, it's completely different and mm-hmm. we're kind of taken aback. Um, and then at the end of her journey and, and the feelings that she, that the main character um, reflected throughout this journey and even their thought bubbles, which I thought were really funny, uh-huh. but um, I overall really love this book. I did not expect to love it so much, especially because there it's really wordy as Kristen
3: just it is very list. wordy <laughs> yes.
0: yeah it's very wordy so originally this book was actually published in French mm-hmm. uh yes. and it was translated by Lion Forge um uh, and it was l'algérie Bue comme l'Amérique um uh, so it's um um I well, first of all, Algeria is a place in Northern Africa that was uh, very popularly, uh, it's, it was, I mean, it, it is, it was a very beautiful country. Uh, and of course, so it was colonized uh, during uh, the the race for Africa back in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is located uh, in Northern Africa, close to Morocco. Uh, But it was one of the it was a French colony for uh, for a very long time. Uh, And I actually studied a bit about like uh, Algeria and stuff like that in school uh, when I was taking my comparative literature classes. Uh, So I already knew a bit about Algeria, but this book goes even into more specifics about the consequences of the Algerian Civil War uh, and the fight for independence for it. What a lot of people don't realize is that colonialism is worldwide. Like, mm-hmm. there's it's very for us, uh, especially as people as from Latinx descent. It means, uh, it means like our home countries, Central America, Latin America, yeah. and most of these countries got their into independence around the mid to late eighteen hundreds. But for some places like in Africa and even in like Indochina and like South Southeastern China, it, colonialism was as recent as the 1960s, the 1970s. Hell, the 1980s, the Vietnam War was a fight for col- uh, was a colonialist war. Uh, so mm-hmm. colonialism, as we know it, uh, like or as we're taught about it, ended around the 1980s. What a lot of people don't realize that is is that a lot of countries now are under neo neo-colonialism which is basically a form of colonialism that isn't as we are typically taught and that is now frowned upon uh but it is setting up a country or um uh, and infiltrating it mm-hmm. uh and making it basically so uh so dependent on the country that was its colonizer that they are set up in a system to fail so that they are dependent on that new nation ea most of central america most of latin america uh most of africa uh and most of uh southeastern china or basically the southeast uh it's And this book brought back a lot of not only a lot of the lessons that I learned while I was taking my classes, but also a lot of old feelings about like identity and what it means to be the child of immigrants and how it is that you yourself view your mother's country or the mother country, basically. Right. Uh, As I was reading it, I just I I resonated with the character a lot, but also there was to me there was a very vast difference and that was she's white Mm -hmm. yeah her experiences and her feelings to me above all else the book felt more like she was trying to find a reason to be like my family didn't do anything wrong my family was not the colonizers Mm -hmm. basically she was looking that was right and it was just kind of coming face to face with the fact like uh she didn't want to like she didn't want to view her family in a bad light but there was like a lot of like evidence that maybe they weren't as good as she thought that they were or that the country wasn't as great as her grandparents and her mother had led her to be and that's something i think that we all come face to face yeah i know that when i before i went to guatemala my parents talked about it, like. They, they usually only talk about the positive experiences because they never want to dwell on the bad or they don't mm-hmm. want to tell you the bad because they want you to love their country as much as they love it, despite the good and the bad.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and that kind of leads to an idealization, this kind of like, oh, it's almost better over there when sometimes that's not the truth or it's just a very idealized version of it yeah. because above all and beyond, they laugh. Right, right. They left, and that's because there was things going on, things that when as a kid and you grow up with these stories, you don't understand until you're older, and then you have to realize it. And now you're left with a crisis, kind of. Like hers was very different than from my own that I'm still trying to overcome about what it means to be somebody who was born here but still has connections to the mother country and how you kind of you want them but at the same time you or at least for me personally I when I go to Guatemala I feel so out of place but every time I come back I want to go back Mm -hmm. and and I don't know there should be a term for that I don't know what it what that term is but it's it's something to be it's something else to feel the experience of going to a country that you thought would feel like home, but isn't. But you want it to be so so badly. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit emotional. Um but being book- emotional
2: watching you get emotional. <laughs> no, no, and it's it's absolutely true. I mean, I I'm 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 feeling you so hard right now because uh, when I was a teenager right before I was a teenager I kept saying I'm Mexican I'm Mexican anybody ask me I'm like I'm Mexican I'm Mexican when I went to Mexico and I finally voiced that to the, to my Mexican cousins and uncles and I'm like yeah I'm Mexican and they laughed at me mm-hmm. they flat out laughed at me they're like you're not Mexican
3: mm-hmm.
2: you have uh-huh. ever lived here you don't know what it's like to be Mexican
3: mm-hmm. and
2: mm-hmm. that's when I knew that I had to I had to embrace who I was, como dice la india María, ni de aquí ni yeah, de allá,
3: mm-hmm. uh-huh. and and, and it hurts.
0: It fucking it does. It's it's a very painful experience, and sometimes something that you have to come to terms with. I think as people who who are born here, um, uh, like, and I think it's very specific to Sometimes, like first generation, second generation. Uh, people. And once it's your like third generation or more, you I think you might be a little bit more comfortable. I'm not entirely sure. I think Kristen, you're third generation, right?
1: I'm second.
0: You're second generation. Mm-hmm. Okay, because after a while, you've kind of established. I think well, once you're third generation, you're you've kind of established yourself, and so there's no doubt to you that you're either American or you're in this case, you're French or stuff like right. that. Yeah. Um.
1: I could definitely see that if I had children, um, Mm -hmm. like my. I probably, hopefully, I would have had them early enough that they would have been able to meet my grandmother. But my mother doesn't really have a lot of the same cultural stuff. I mean, we we do mm-hmm. and we don't. I, it's really weird for me. Like I grew up, my grandmother talking about Aguascalientes and being from there and what it was like to live there. Mm-hmm. But she left there, uh, I believe, when she was twelve. Um, and so she remembered it, but I mean, it was so long ago for her when she was telling me her granddaughter, Mm -hmm. um, and I would listen to her stories and stuff, but she definitely had a lot of internalized racism. Um, and Mm -hmm. she would tell me things like, well, at least we came over here, uh, the right way, quote unquote. And, um, and so I grew up. With that, like hearing that from my own grandmother and her saying negative things about other Latinos. And um, it was very confusing growing up. And as I grew up in a small, town and then went to college and was introduced to other Latinos and and other races period uh, after Mm. our ethnicities I'm sorry and cultures period after growing up in a small town it was very very eye-opening and I think that my appreciation for my own culture and my own familial history did not come until well into my 30s.
2: Uh-huh. And I completely agree with you on that. Only, uh, because, you know, after I was laughed at and everything, then I was like, well, I'm just going to try to uh, assimilate mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. being American or whatever that means, quote unquote, right? So, yeah. I mean, I even made it a point to whenever somebody talked to me in Spanish, sometimes I would say like, I don't understand. Like, I, I've, like I've done that uh-huh. <laughs> like I like I completely turned my back on it
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, but then like you said Kristen, like in my late 20s um I
3: <clears throat>
2: I lost my mom and so then I went on a journey to find my Latinidad again you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and so one of the companions I had was uh, like Yahoo Chat, and so I would go into international chat rooms and chat in Spanish, and one of the things that my Spanish writing and reading got way better chatting with other Latinos, Mm -hmm. and so, um, and that's where me coming back to it uh, came from, and then, of course, I married Frank, uh, Mm -hmm. which if you guys knew me back in high school, it was a complete opposite of what I thought I wanted in a man you know, <laughs> or what I was attracted to. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I've
1: never seen him wear black eyeliner.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. So, um, the thing about being human is the ability to grow and mm-hmm. to embrace change. And that's one of the things I got in this book as well is like the embracing of change and even her mindset, but you're right. And there was a point, Jen, that I was like, oh my God, I thought this was going to be like about like this great family and, you know, great ancestors and all that stuff. But it, it and, and in the middle of the book, I'm like, oh my God. Blackfoot, you guys are the colonizers. And that was a little bit hard to read because they were basically responsible for touching other people that were lower or under them or were actually mm-hmm. native to Algeria and stuff like that. And And I'd wondered how it is they touched those people. And one of the things that was said is that there was a proverb that was created Uh, because of those people, because of her family, of Mm -hmm. her great grandparents, Um, they said something about like um, the well, the water from the well of a Blackfoot is better, is, is better than the beer from the local town or something like that. Mm -hmm. Basically what happened is when the Blackfoots bought up all of the land, um, the people that got all the money, because they got money for it. Who knows if it was what the land was worth, but um they actually drank their money away. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was just like a little bit heartbreaking, and and it kind of it's kind of like reality just slapped you in the face. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it was just, uh, it was, it, 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 in a sense, like from. You know, daughters of immigrants. Uh, it, it's it's a little hard to read some of the negative stuff that might have happened in the past that you're trying to unearth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then there's a, a, some heartbreak on the stuff that you hope that she will find, um, mm-hmm. because uh, obviously, what what, how many years had passed? Like, eighty years have passed. Uh, mm-hmm. Between her returning and stuff like that from her family moving forward and then to France and then having her return and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it was uh, like about 50, 60, I think, uh 80 years. Yeah. yeah like yeah. the house was like 80 years old and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the proverb you were thinking was a glass of beer from the Fabry well is better than rain from above. So it was like, it's a proverb. Home. Yeah. So it was a proverb that basically meant that was. Uh, it could be either good or bad, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the main thing, the book itself is kind of, uh, it's definitely an introspection uh, of family history, family, like, uh, not, and like, uh, kind of like, it's of family history and like own personalized, like trying to like own uh, personal identity as well. But I think it also, it, I don't know if it was intentional or not, and it probably was. But it's also a very stark, I think, to me, contrast of two different experiences of from two people that are from Algiers, because she is the she is the descendant from white colonizers, and she herself is white, mm-hmm. and her guide Jafar was. Uh, uh, a Muslim man mm-hmm. raised in a Muslim Algeria, uh, or at least the the Arab uh, part of Algeria, who were historically discriminated against and were not allowed the right to vote, even though they were about 90% of the population. Mm-hmm. So her family came from, uh, and I kind of like this contrast about how like, originally her great grandparents were poor, were poor French farmers who came to algeria made their wealth uh and then became rich in algeria um and they fell in love with the country and then so her parents uh her grandparents and her parents are algerian born they're they're french algerian born people who when the algerian civil war broke out had to leave because then uh what kind of was happening was and it's a tale as old as time during the 1960s uh due to communists and a lot of like fights for independence and stuff like that and like the cold war and stuff like that it all it all gets tied up together it's the 1960s is messy is what i'm trying <laughs> to say um but uh they were french they were french-born Algerians, so they had a place a high standing in algeria as french born uh as uh, french born algerians uh so they could vote they had they historically had money uh and they could and they usually were they were basically the upper class uh but algeria was 90% uh arab which is a misnover as well there's many different ethnic groups in Algeria uh not all of them Muslim but a grand majority of them are but they were historically denied uh rights in Algeria and so when the Algerian civil war broke out it was these people led by the National Liberation Front uh Mm. that uh which was a heavily uh kind of theocratic movement but in itself in and of itself was very there was a reason that they had a lot of support and that's because a lot of the muslim people in algeria were discriminated against and were not they were they, they weren't allowed to vote. They weren't allowed to have like good jobs. They weren't allowed basically to rise in society. They were meant to stay as the lower class and live in the lower class. There's a lot of problems of race and class that get mixed up in the book that I was able to detect. And it's also one of the things that I actually have a problem with France as a country mm. is that they constantly say we have no problems of race and then I'm just all like what about <laughs> Algeria like there's yeah like there's the there is a very strong discrimination in France against Algerians or people that are uh, Muslim or the, who they think are Arab. Uh, basically there's just uh, France itself has a race and class issue that they do not like to address. Uh, and it to me, it was very prevalent in the book. First well. of
2: all, they can't even, uh, they have a problem with weight too. Like it's like, mm-hmm. it's so prominent. Like women are taught not to be overweight. And when you mm-hmm. are overweight, you're treated like a second class citizen. I mean, just weight, not even race or or ethnic background or language. It, it and that's that's really saying something.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, France, I think what a lot of people don't realize is France is very. I to me, it's it's very xenophobic. I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, and it's. And it's very so They don't racist.
1: just hate Americans. No. no. <laughs> they
0: basically they hate anybody. They hate who everybody. Isn't, <laughs> they hate everybody who isn't French basically. Uh-huh. Uh that's okay. Most of the world hate France. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um it's uh it's it's a very complicated issue that still today isn't resolved. I believe the bans on wearing hijabs are st- is still a thing in France. Currently?
3: Really? Wow. Yeah, you can
0: You. I don't know if they passed it or if it was repealed, but it was passed. The fact that you they made it illegal to wear a hijab. Wow. They tried. They tried to brush it up. They were just like, you can't wear any overtly religious clothing. But France itself isn't even very heavily religious. Point black it was a, Yeah. It was. Uh. A it rouged. was specifically yeah. It was specifically meant to target their Muslim community. Right. And am I Uh, supposed to
1: wear a sign that says I'm wearing this because I'm cold? (laughs) (laughs) It's not religious? Like, that's so silly.
0: It is. Uh, There was a book that I read in college called The Stone Face by William Gardner Smith. Uh, And it it was about a Black man who moved to France to try to get away from the racism in America. Wow. But throughout... Throughout Surprise. his journey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, here was the thing. So, in his journey, um, uh, in France, he was actually getting on pretty well until the Algerian civil war broke out, mm. and he saw the French massacre a bunch of Algerian people in uh in some prominent place in France. I have it's been four years since I last read the book. I have it somewhere. Uh, and it's actually been out of print for a very long time. The only reason I was able to get it was because my professor gave mm. me the book. Um, uh, but and it, but it's actually getting reprinted. I actually looked it up. It's getting reprinted next year, oh, which nice. I think is I think is intentional. But uh, it was about a massacre that was done by the French police against um, uh, Algerian people who were living in France at the time, who were trying to escape the civil war. Mm. Um, um, and it, I believe it is to date the largest, uh, the, I guess the largest, like, uh, massacre that has happened in France, in modern France. Wow. Uh, I, I, I believe there was a passage in the book that said that they were just throwing dead people's bodies into the river, mm-hmm. uh, into a river to try to get rid of them and stuff like that. Um, um. But in this, in this, this man's journey, because he was a black man, uh, he, when he saw how the police were responding to the Algerian people and to the, specifically to the Muslim Algerian people, uh, it's, and it's a passion that has stuck with me to this day, which is why I was appropriately reminded of it. It was just looking in the face of the French policeman, I saw the stone face that has chased me across America and reflects their true heart inside there is there like he basically he tried while he wasn't being discriminated against in France um uh, in, at first when that massacre when the, basically a public execution happened he ran into a french policeman who was about to kill him because he thought he was a muslim mm-hmm. because he was a black man uh, until he spoke in English and then he was just, he was the French the French policeman was like, Oh, you're American, you're fine, and then left him alone to go chase after and beat another beat another basically Muslim black man. Wow. And that in the book in the book he realizes, Oh, France has a problem and they just don't like to admit it. So it's it's a really good book that was published in 1963, which was two years after the basically that massacre happened and the beginning of the Algerian Civil War, um, uh, and it is the earliest and so a lot of people say possibly the most accurate version of what happened in France and how many people were killed uh, during that um, uh, during that. And so it's uh, it basically. France has a problem that they don't like to admit that they have,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and I was, uh, it it just reminded me like, uh, we live in America, and I'll give this to Trump. At least he fucking outed himself. <laughs> I would rather deal with somebody I know who's racist than somebody who looks to me in the face and then yeah, it, and is courteous and stuff like that, and then behind my fucking back works to sabotage me mm-hmm. kind of thing or at least at least I know that they hate me and they don't make overtures of like fake uh fake friendship and f- and fake relatability mm-hmm. uh and try to pass off themselves as a friend when in fact they fucking hate me at least in this era I know who fucking hates me uh and so it was uh it was an interesting uh introspection reading this book uh and it it made me think a lot about stuff that I had learned and stuff that I still like struggle with as well Mm -hmm. so overall I really like the book I have a lot of thoughts (laughs) (laughs) for me this is Kristen
1: I learned so much Like, this is a graphic novel memoir, but, like, it might as well have said history lesson on the front (laughs) front of the book because I learned so much. I was, I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I was like, where's Algeria? (laughs) (laughs) And like, I am the first to admit that my geography skills are zero, they are nil, like, I can barely tell you what only because I live over by the beach a little bit. I know what way West is, but if I'm anywhere else, like Siri, don't tell me turn West left or right lady like i have no idea where i'm at and like i i um, memorized all the states all the countries all the continents with the best of them in junior high, but then I forgot it all and geography for me <laughs> is just like I know the western states I know some of the the northern eastern states, but that's it anything in Oh, and, and Texas and Florida, whatever, but like anything in between. I have no idea. So like, I didn't even know where Algeria was, I vaguely had an idea that it was Africa, but I I would not have bet my life on it. And so this book had me googling geography, had me googling Blackfoot, had me googling, you know, the the French uh, the civil the civil war going on in all the places. and just like I had no idea of a lot of these things, and maybe there's a vague recollection of having to learn it somewhere in my past educational days, whether it be high school or college, but nothing that stuck. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I, and like Jen was saying, Um, For me personally, and maybe for a lot of people here in Southern California, when you talk about colonization, we immediately think about um, South America, Central America, um, Mm -hmm. the Spaniards coming over and colonizing. Mm -hmm. But the idea that it happens all over the place, which of course it fucking does, but the idea of it, I guess, was so far removed from me that I never thought about it. And so this and and that's my own, just like, um, what do you call it when you don't know something? Realization. No, Mm -hmm. like um, I, I just had um, epiphany. No, 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 no. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But anyway, (laughs)
3: Um,
1: I feel like this book like opened my eyes to so much that I think. Uh, cognitively, obviously, I I knew that this stuff happened everywhere, but I never like out of sight, out of mind type of thing. And to actually read such a personal story of this woman having to deal with trying to search out her family history only to fully come face to face with the fact that her family um, were racist as fuck. and Mm -hmm. and basically were the oppressors
0: yes Mm -hmm.
1: um and so it 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 was i enjoyed it immensely on Mm -hmm. all levels in the storytelling level the art level the history Mm -hmm. lesson level i I just i i could not recommend this book enough
0: oh 100 i absolutely
2: agree with you yeah go ahead ten go ahead
0: oh yeah i said also i think i feel like it's also a good lesson into the origins if anybody was interested in learning about the arab spring and the origins of the arab spring and how a lot of these uh heavily muslim countries are kind of are currently this is a good book to kind of get into that and into like kind of like world politics too um uh, because it's it's You also come to face with your own stereotypes as well, Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, you kind of have to, like, come face to face. And it was a glimpse into, uh, uh, I guess, how Muslim families live and how they receive guests, which I think was very, very well done.
2: Oh, absolutely. That was one of my favorite things was how welcome she was throughout her journey. Mm -hmm. Um, regardless of what language she spoke or what clothes she was wearing or even the fact that she was smoking cigarettes. I mean, only in the last, even only in kind of the last part of the story where uh, a lady said, uh, no smoking, it's Ramadan. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, otherwise, she was like really welcome. And and one of her... um, One of the things that she noticed that was when she was trying to find this house, uh, she was uh, with a bunch of men that were trying to tell her, oh, your grandfather heard stories about this, about that. But as she was walking through the streets with them, she noticed that there were no other women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was really kind of an interesting point. Like these little, little Easter eggs that are within the story itself that you pick up on because this is not... This is not like where you live. This is a whole different country with whole different religions, people, uh, Mm. nationalities, races, and all of that. So it's a different culture entirely. Exactly. So that was really- remember the word. I was mm -hmm. gonna say it, my own
1: ignorance.
2: Oh <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> it's my own ignorance, uh, and and I'm, I'm the first to admit that I'm ignorant about a lot of stuff outside of my realm of my own existence. And I think a lot of Americans are.
2: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I I am one of them as well. I mean, I it uh, I felt uh, a parallel to this character, but at the same time, I there was a lot of ignorance involved. I mean, I really appreciated those little asterisks and the little uh, little. um explanation at the bottom of the page i mean that that i i really appreciate it because otherwise um i think i would have lost a lot of the story on this Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. do we want to add anything else or
0: no i think i've said what i needed to say i'm ready to review the book (laughs) uh no i'm
1: ready to review it too i mean i think that um this book could uh, this book alone probably could have its own college course uh, dissecting it on the multiple multiple levels of just cultural significances um ethnic significances um it's just very very deeply um ingrained with this person's personal experience but that also it just has a lot of historical relevance um mm-hmm. So I will start and um, I am going to give it. um, I did not think I was going to like this book as much as I do. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I didn't. And when I read the back of it and the explanation of what it was, I was like, oh, okay. But it taught me so much. And for that reason alone, I am giving it the whole panaderia.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Kristen. Um, as you guys know, this is Sarah and I love a comic that teaches you something and this one, my God, it, like like Kristen said, I mean this could have its own college course. Mm-hmm. so I'm gonna give it the hope on Uh
0: So this is Jen and it's uh, it reminded me a lot of Persepolis uh so i think somebody asked me about
1: that and i was like i've never read persepolis so i don't know i think maybe it was one of you that asked me if it was like persepolis
0: uh yeah uh i believe that was me and i persepolis is actually taught in schools uh and same like like Watchmen is taught in some Mm -hmm. schools as well um but this book is i believe yeah it could could very much be a college course book um um I actually kind of want to email one of my old professors and be like, "Hey, I think you'll like this," mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. if he hasn't already read it. But yeah. he was he was a giant nerd, so he might actually not have. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm yeah, I'm gonna give it the whole panaderia as well. Uh, simply because of the feelings it invoked in me and the questions of identity and past but also it just it was a nice refresher course into stuff that I had actually studied about Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was just like oh shit my brain remembers this Uh, (laughs) that's pretty good you got your money's worth from that course uh, yeah shit man I did (laughs) Uh, turns out I was able to use it what I learned Uh in real life nice (laughs) nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so the whole panaderia for me.
2: Excellent. That was our book rating, guys. All right, and now now it's time for on my radar. Kristen, what is on your radar?
1: Okay, so on my radar today is something that Sarah swears she told me about like a year ago. <laughs> I'm like Sarah. I don't listen. And even if I do listen, I don't remember. So um, on my radar today is a TV show um, that you can find on HBO Max. Um, it was an HBO original HBO series called Los Spookies. Now, <laughs> this was only on my radar because I downloaded HBO Max to watch Wonder Woman, which I have not done yet. Um, but I was just looking around and I was looking like, oh, you can get Crunchyroll shows on there. You can get oh, wow. um, Turner. Oh, wait, wait, wait. uh the the what is it turner channel turner history i don't know old movies in black and white whatever channel those come on um (laughs) there is um the whole dc uh library of movies and animated shows and then there are hbo originals and um I was just perusing through and I saw this title, Los Spookies. I'm like, that's interesting. And (laughs) when you read the the, um, synopsis, it's basically um, a show that follows a group of friends who turn their love for horror into a peculiar business, providing horror to those who need it. And so the description on hbo didn't tell me that it was in spanish which by the way it is it's a spanish language show there is some english in it and they give you spanish subtitles at the bottom when people do speak english um but i just started watching it because i was like oh uh it's called los Spookies," but i don't know like is it actually in spanish is it in english i want to watch it from the first 10 seconds i was hooked on this show it is so freaking funny the characters are so unique and just like so engaging and like kind of over the top but that's like that's what this show is the show is over the top and it is actually created by Lorne Michaels now if you don't know who Lorne Michaels is then you don't know anything about uh, late night comedy he's the creator of Saturday Night Live so oh. that if that tells you anything about this show being funny as fuck, um I don't know what does. It has a hundred percent uh on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. wow. It no, came out in 2019 and the fact that I, despite what Sarah said, have never heard of it <laughs> <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs> um is super like um shocking to me because it's so good it's so so good now it's all in spanish but there are english subtitles underneath and then when they speak english there's spanish subtitles underneath it's just so silly and goofy but in the best way possible and um it's all in spanish um i believe that They don't really tell you um, what Latin American country that they're supposed to be in. But if you look it up on the Internet, I think that they actually film in Chile. Um, But then there's also part of the story that takes place in Los Angeles. Um, And so... uh, I just love it. Um, There's only six episodes in the first season. um, And I'm like, I think already on episode five. And uh, I think I see that there might be a season two uh, that is out, but maybe not on HBO Max yet. I'm not sure, but it is just so great. I can't recommend it enough. Go to
2: HBO Max and watch Los Spookies. Absolutely. I mean, and it it actually it may take place in like L.A. and Chile, but one of the characters, Julio Torres, he's Salvadorian. Mm. Uh, and he, he if you go on HBO Max and you look him up, he has like a whole comedy skit uh, that he did <laughs> uh, that I absolutely adored. Oh, my God. He's I'm going to have to look because he's kinda, my favorite. Yeah, he's kind of androgynous. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but uh, he has like a whole skit on on shapes, I believe. I I mean, I saw it so uh, so many months ago, so I can't remember. But I love the heck out of it. He's actually one of my favorites as well. So um, his
1: character in the show is a chocolate heir. So he is heir to this chocolate company. um, And uh, he is accustomed to this like, glamorous lifestyle. Um, And part of his storyline is that he's adopted. So he is basically haunted by trying to figure out where he's from and who dropped him off at the orphanage and it's just it, it's kind of like inter that part of his story is interwoven throughout all of the episodes but one of the funny things is that um his partner um proposes to him and uh he's <laughs> like no I don't want to get married I'm not ready for that blah 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 and his And his friends are like, yeah, he's a loser. Don't don't marry him. You don't want to to um, be with him. And then they're trying to convince him to not marry him. And he's like, but my my parents are going to disown me. And they're like, well, so what? Um, I work really hard and can barely pay my bills. Um, But I'm independent, and you really think that um, taking all those glamorous trips and living in that mansion and like having the glorious clothes that you have is worth it and then they cut scene to him <laughs> saying i'll marry you
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny so oh yes my God. <laughs> it is so good i mean uh bernardo velasco he's mexican a mexican actor there's another american actor who was in euro trip that is in the show as well his name is fred uh, Armisen. armison He's uh, the little goofy guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I
1: never knew he was Latino. Like as soon as he started speaking Spanish,
2: I was like, "What the what? heck?" Me too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's so many, and and like I said, there's I mean Salvadorian, Chilean, Mexican. Um, uh, so there's there, it's it, and that's actually what I loved about the series. You couldn't pinpoint. The origin of the Latinidad in this in this series—it's all over the map. I love it. And you didn't put
0: in point the specific the specificness, but it still had the Latin identity. I like Absolutely. that. That sounds really yeah. cool. And so I things- remember, I remember seeing an ad for *Las Spookies actually in Santa Monica. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, me actually, me Yair and Javi. I think we were we we're going to go see a movie with Q. Uh, at the Arclight and we saw a poster of it and we looked at it and we kind of laughed at it because we were like Los Spookies, yeah. We were like what kind of fucking Spanglish is that? <laughs> like who thought of this up? But now that you mentioned it that it's actually in Spanish Mm-hmm. I'm I really want to watch it. I might actually get HBO Max
3: for this. That's how interested I am in it.
0: Okay, so for Wonder uh, Woman 84
2: for Los <laughs> <of Spookies. laughs> So for all of you guys that are listening and actually got HBO Max to watch Wonder Woman, now you have an excuse to watch Los of Spookies because i we can't recommend it enough. It is amazing. I I've been waiting for season two forever now it seems like forever now but I, I I don't even know how I came across it like I uh I think I was just like sometimes I just shift through and just swipe and swipe and swipe and I was like los spookies. okay let's try this and at first it took me aback I was like what is it that I'm watching but then it just it's was so over the top it is it was so <laughs> funny it was so amazing um well on my radar this is Sarah uh Netflix came out with a documentary on the rise of Latin uh, Latin, uh rock in español rock latinoamericano and it's Ooh, called cool. Rompe Todo Break Everything and Ooh. it's several uh several episodes long and you just are taking from the beginning of like the 1950s like you know um uh, uh robert no know sé si roberto guzmán alejandro guzmán and all of those like 1950s pop kind of songs to like <laughs> the, the rock that it is today the and it mm. just it's such a it's such a great view of it and i really appreciate because now i feel that there should be a spotify um 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 listening um what do you call them um Channel
0: playlist. Playlist, yeah. And oh. there should be a, a Spotify <laughs>
2: playlist that is called Rompe Todo based on this series because not only did I see my, my actual favorite bands uh, represented on this documentary, but I also uh, discovered new ones. So if you guys are You're out nice. there wanting to find... And I'm not saying new as in, oh, um, they're new now. I'm saying new as in they existed before, but new I was to you. never exposed
3: to it. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of revolution behind rock and Espanol, and I loved the heck out of it. I, I just went through the whole series all in one day and now i want to watch it again because i feel like i want to like actually jot things down as i watch mm-hmm. it now oh, But that's pretty I cool. highly recommend it um it's oh it's breathtaking i think and what you say was on netflix Netflix. Okay. One of the Netflix. One of the
1: other things I really loved about Los Spookies is also all the Rock and Espanol um background music that plays. And it's so <laughs> great. I like I'm I'm not uh an aficionado by any means. Um I have very small um uh like library of things that I know or that I've listened to. Um, but the sound is unmistakable. Um, it's just super, I, I just love it. Uh, and I think that watching this show has actually reminded me of how much I enjoy it and that maybe I, sh- I'm, it, I should actually uh, investigate more uh, of the bands that are out there too, because um, the soundtrack of the show is really great.
2: That is yeah, super cool. No, I'm glad I'm glad this tied in together, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. What do you have for us today, Kristen? So, today I have something that's super interesting that
1: um, I think everyone should check out. It is a uh, website called Cinema Tropical. Uh, so, cinematropical.com. <laughs> um, and you can go there and um, watch Mexican indigenous tales in little short videos uh, oh, wow. told in their native languages. Um, the uh, project is called 68 Voices, 68 Hearts. And it was created, the series was created by Gabriela Badillo. Um, and they are animated short films, uh, retelling indigenous tales narrated in their native tongues. So. Oh, wow. It was created in 2013 under the premise that no one can love that which they do not know. And this series has produced 36 short films so far with the goal to cover Mexico's 68 linguistic groups, representing 364 linguistic variants in 11 linguistic families. That oh, wow. My mind. Like, yeah, nobody really ever thinks about how diverse... Uh, even just individual uh, countries and and areas are down there. Everyone just thinks Mexican. Like everyone knows that everyone thinks that every brown person is Mexican Um, Mm -hmm. and and that they all just speak Spanish. But there's so many different variations. And I think it's so freaking interesting. Like one of my favorite classes in college was – the, uh, what was it? The history of, um, the history of Spanish language. And basically it taught us how to translate, uh, how to translate, uh, Latin words into Spanish and then back mm. again based on the different um, the different linguistical rules that came into play um, during certain colonizations and um, different um, uh, people coming in and putting their own spin on stuff it was so interesting um, and to to somebody who never even thought too much about um, Spanish, uh, the the development <laughs> of spanish language was just so i i loved it so much and i really took to it and um uh the history was just super interesting so um the fact that this series and this project is uh focusing on um, representing all the linguistic variants is just, so cool to me. So, um, it's based on works by a whole bunch of different authors. Um, and, uh, it represents, uh, t- a search for a reinterpretation of Mexican culture through local animators and illustrators. So everybody is Mexican. So super interesting. Um, you can go to cinematropical.com and, uh, you can watch all of them. Um, uh, at their official website, uh, which actually is 68voices.mx. Oh, actually, oh, wow, bosses 68 voices. So, 68, the letters 68. I'm sorry, the numbers 68 <laughs> and V O C E
0: S dot M X. That is super cool. That is super cool. I'm definitely going to check them out. Oh, absolutely. Learn a little bit.
2: Alright guys, now it's time for En La Librería. En La Librería is brought to you by Jen. What's going
0: on, Jen? What's up? Uh, So, En La Librería today, eh, we have Divine Feather Number 1. Join Anam, an archaeologist who will find her connection with the gods in this tale about family and the cycle of death. Uh, It is done by Oscar Ramos, and as of right now, it has 10 days to go. It has 89 backers, and it is currently at $1,800 of its $1,900 goal. So it's very close to being done. But Divine Feather Number 1 is a Mexican mythology tale about death, family, and the afterlife. Um, And it's going to be a four-issue miniseries, and the artwork for it is... Very simplistic, but very, very cute. Uh, and you can see some previews of it, but it's, I am honestly very, very excited for it. It's going to be done in English, but Oscar Ramos is actually located in, I think the, he's in the D.F. Yeah, he's in the D.F. Uh, so this book is being done by a Mexican creator uh, from the capital. Uh, and actually, when you back it, it, I believe it charges a pesos. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, to get the book, like the physical copy of the book, I believe is about. Hmm, it's two hundred ninety nine pesos or sixteen dollars, uh, which is the physical. What a deal. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for sixteen dollars, you, you get the print book. But also a PDF and as well as uh, an art print. Oh, wow. That's a lot. It is. Uh, And actually for about, um, uh, there's another one that's like a little bit more. uh, And this one specifically has uh, even more like, I believe it's still like, so the other one is, I believe it's 200 it's 299 pesos at base, and you can choose on add-ons. But then there's another one that's just 300 pesos, so literally one peso more. And you get, like, a, a specific set of, of stuff. You get the comic. You get the PDF. You get a personalized wallpaper. You get, like, a bag of board. You get three art prints. You get three trading cards, uh, three postcards, and like, you can choose to add on more stuff. So, it's very, very cheap, and the artwork for it looks very, very wonderful. Oh, it's so cute. I'm looking at it right now. The art is so super cute. It is. I think it looks really, really good. Uh, So, Divine Feather, uh, number one on Kickstarter. Please, uh, I 100% recommend it. I was looking through it. It looks really really cute it looks wonderful and i think it would it's a great children's story to tell about it looks like it's going to be a great children's story story to tell about death and mm-hmm. and moving on and the like process of grieving uh as well so um please please back it it has as of right now oh, 10 days to go apparently mm-hmm. uh uh, with and it has 89 backers and it's almost at its goal it's literally like just a little bit away uh from reaching its goal so divine feather number one by oscar ramo on kickstarter.com
2: thanks so much jen <laughs> all right guys it's now time for saludos and saludos goes out today to bobby hernandez uh he has chicago a, bobby
1: chicago bobby.
2: <laughs> he has his first episode out on facebook it was a facebook live interview with none other than comic book great javier hernandez and it's called cuentos y comics um he uh, oh. debuted that on <laughs> uh, uh, December the 26th, uh, and it was 8 p.m. Central Time on Facebook Live. But you can go and follow Bobby Hernandez, and you can see, or you can just even check out Javier Hernandez's uh, wall, uh, what is it, his wall, his postings. Yeah. You'll be mm-hmm. able to see the, um, the, interview there, the interview link there. So. He has, uh, it doesn't look like he's created a cuentos y comics page yet. So if you Bobby, if you follow Bobby Hernandez and maybe search cuentos y comics, you can follow him and see his very first debut interview with uh, none other than comic book great Javier Hernandez. And we wish him all the luck in the world. So saludos goes out to you, my friend. Thank you so much, Chicago Bobby. All right, guys, now it's time for the end of our episode. Where can they find us? As always, you can find
1: us on Facebook at Comic Comadres and on Instagram at Comadres y Comics.
0: You can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres, where you can send us a DM as well
2: you could always email us directly at gomalodicycomics at gmail.com or you can find all our episodes streaming uh, for free on periodnetwork.com where there's other amazing um, podcasts that are created by women for everyone. So check that out. Uh, We have something interesting going on right now. And guys, we highly recommend you rate and subscribe and review our podcast on iTunes uh, for the grand prize of what, Kristen? (laughs) The grand prize of a copy, a signed
1: copy of uh, Kinsey, the um, essential, is it essential? Hardcover Definitive. edition. Definitive. Definitive hardcover edition. <laughs> um, the most amazing hardcover edition. Um, basically, this copy of a uh, Quince, which is a story all about Lupe, who is a 15-year-old girl who discovers that she has superpowers on the day of her quinceanera, and she has them for one year and one year only. So this story is all about Lupe trying to figure out how to be a superhero and a teenager and a daughter and a sister and all that stuff all rolled into one it's so such a great uh book and this is the hardcover bilingual edition that has one side in english the other side translated into spanish and in the middle is sandwiched a whole bunch of awesome cool um extra back matter but it's really in the middle um but so so cool people um contributed to it, like uh, Dr. Rojas, uh, she did a study guide, and there's just a whole bunch of cool things. So we will put everybody's name who rates and leaves a review of our podcast. It can be a positive review. It could be a negative review. um, But as long as you review, your name goes into the pot, and we will pick a winner on
2: January 20th. Exactly. And just so you guys know, I know that we have been mentioning that you can rate and review our podcast on your favorite streaming platform. Um, I did some more looking into that subject. And actually, it the review goes up directly from iTunes. So uh, you will have to subscribe. Not subscribe. Uh, you'd have to log into your iTunes account, rate and review our podcast, and it will show the reviews on the other streaming platforms. So I guess in this case, the mother uh, of the review uh, it, um, platform is iTunes. So please remember, I know it takes a little bit of time to remember your password and log back in, but if you do, you can win a Quince autographed hardcover edition of 15, uh the definitive bilingual edition. So please do that. We would greatly appreciate it. Also remember, if you like and subscribe us on on, um, our YouTube page you are also entered into the contest thank you so much for listening guys uh, please stay safe hug your loved ones be very careful during this holiday season thank you so much for listening we have been your hosts we have been your hosts I am Sarah I'm Kristen
0: and I'm Jen bye guys bye, bye.